Welcome to In the Isles, the movie and TV podcast that is going to oil you up, spread you open, get inside you, get you started, perform safety checks and slowly back you out of the parking bay while checking our surroundings. You are a car and we are driving you home for sex. I'm James. I'm Dan. This week we're going to talk about what we've been watching. We've got real news, including the Golden Globes. We'll talk in depth about our most anticipated films of 2022. And our main review is Titan, the Palme d'Or winning French film that's finally out in the UK. And probably worth saying as well that that slightly odd but hilarious opening is a reference to that film, James Hasn't Finally Snapped. You might, we might have a new listener who's just been completely thrown by that opening comment. <laughs> Speaking of listeners, did you notice that our Spider Man episode? did much better than our matrix episode maybe a show of interest level in those two films Mm, yeah not a decline in the podcast it's definitely not an example of that yeah it is just a mirror of what's happened in reality from a box office perspective or it could be the fact that those two films are released quite close and as a sign of how content is consumed and immediately forgotten by the time we released the matrix episode it was old news it was already analysed to death and then people had moved on. Yeah, some people have. Other people are still talking about it and saying we've all got it wrong. But let me tell you something. You're wrong, okay? Watch yeah. it again. Be very honest with yourself and tell yourself that's a good film. And if you do, you're a despicable person. <laughs> no, I don't mean that. I don't mean that. But we, uh, we're continuing to grow, James. Did you notice we've, we've got French listeners now and Russian listeners a French listener, so that means we can't offend the, the French for making a film like Titan. Yes, we'll have to be very careful with what we say today. Okay. Hope that's not you showing your hand that you didn't like it. No, there. no, no. Right. Okay. Right, should we just dig in? Yes. Would you like to hear what I've been watching? I certainly would. Heavily promoted on the BBC, The Tourist. It's the story of Jamie Dornan getting into a car crash in Australia, and he has severe amnesia he doesn't know his name doesn't know who he is doesn't know why he's in australia it's the six episode tale of him rediscovering himself and looking into why he is in australia jamie dornan can act good actor i'm a fan sign me up i think when we were doing the call the house of casta del mar the comedy bob and star go to vista del mar yeah um, you you made the same comment that he's actually good that he's not just a heartthrob and i think that's true so, but can model underpants expertly. Yes. I enjoyed this series. It's a little bit too long. It's six episodes. For example, at the end of episode one, he gets a phone call, and that is an important lead to find out who he is. And the whole of episode two is finding his way to the person who made the call. End of episode two. Ah, that didn't really go anywhere. Anyway, let's find another lead. So we don't, we don't really get anywhere. I think if you're going to watch it, if you're on the BBC iPlayer, you do get recaps. So you could maybe get away with just watching episode one, three, five, and six. Yeah, if you take the James approach to consuming content, why not watch it at double speed while you're at it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But well, 1.25 speed, where you can't do that on the BBC, which did make it more frustrating. But it was over long, but still very good. And the way it's promoted, it makes it seem more serious than it actually is. So you have a quirky cast of characters like a Cohen Brothers-esque quirky cast like a obviously corrupt police detective who has a colostomy bag and breakout star Danielle McDonald who plays a police detective called Helen Chambers and she's like just completed the training to be a detective but she's really enthusiastic about being a detective and she's helping out Jamie Dornan but she doesn't really know what she's doing and she provides comedy but then the Jamie Dornan stuff he's a little bit laid back and cool but it's turns out to be a pretty pretty serious stuff he's involved in but there's a nice tonal balance and it's all about i don't know who i am when i do find out who i am am i even going to want to know what kind of person i am or was so i i enjoyed it I enjoyed it very hyped up and it it lived up to the advertising that it got on some uh, magazine covers in tesco or at least episodes one, three, and five did. 
one, three, five, and six. Oh, okay. Well, no, I did. I did watch all of it. I'm just saying some at the how many is that? Yeah, two episodes. I just thought I didn't need that. No, that's that's the first success ratio. So look at that. I've only watched the first episode. I intend on finishing it, but like you said, I like that balance of of tone. There is some quite funny moments, especially with the toilet key that he goes back for yeah. and makes the yeah. same comment. And I especially like the quite harsh comment that the husband makes to the woman detective. And she goes, oh, I wish I was beautiful. And he said, you will be beautiful again. Is this a self-contained story or does it lead on to a possible season two? No possible season two, self-contained with a solid ending. Yeah, he dies then. Cheers for that. Yeah, he, he dies. He dies. <laughs> he doesn't. He doesn't. Just to be clear. Well, I don't, I don't no, he know. does. I don't know. I don't know. Well, you have to find out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what else have you been watching? I watch The Silent Sea, which is the latest piece of Korean content that made its way into the Netflix top 10 that is about people flying to the moon for a mysterious mission. And on Earth, there's a water shortage and life is going to end. But I don't want to really talk about that. I want to talk about Hype House instead. Have you heard of Hype House? <laughs> I, no, somebody recommended the Silent Sea to me this week, so I thought, oh yeah, come on, give me another reason to watch it. But no, go on. So no, I would, I, I would recommend House. the Silent Sea, but Hype House is a reality TV show about young TikTok stars that live in a mansion and they deal with the struggles of being popular TikTok celebrities while producing content at the same time. And I think it was a YouTube series or a TikTok series, but now it's on Netflix. And like, definitely don't want to, don't watch all of it. Just watch the first episode. And this is a picture of where we are at as a species at the moment. Like we've reached the end point where you've got these TikTok people with 30,000 subscribers unironically talking about the challenges of producing content and social media life and being completely miserable about it. And I, I finally watched Bo Burnham Inside, which oh, is really good. good. I, I agree with all your compliments about it. And within Bo Burnham Inside, he's obviously dealing with the idea of producing content, like the pressure to produce content is what it's mm. about. And he keeps talking about content, content. Then you watch Hype House and they're not realizing how much of a parody of modern life they are. Like you couldn't mm. write a satire of social media stars that is more ridiculous than what these people behave like, like, like very, meti- very meticulously planning these TikTok videos around a pool and speaking in Zuma language code. Just watch the first episode to see where we are at. And we're not at a good place. I can't really see myself wanting to watch the deterioration of, of society any more than I already do through the news, but I might give it a go. Does it, does it provide angry laughs so to speak like you're annoying but i'm laughing at you oh yeah yeah that's what the, yeah. that's what the whole thing is all the way through the entire thing is edited with very quick cuts just quick montages cars pools going to a photo shoot quick interview i'm introducing myself cars photo shoot we're going in a pool we're screaming at each other it's just <laughs> constant like low attention span nonsense right i'm on it i'm gonna watch an episode tonight with tea so glad that you checked out Inside, by the way. Thank you for that. That's all from me. Daniel, what have you been watching? I'm, I'm a bit shocked. I just relied on the good old Beeb this week. Not a Netflix film inside. And I started off with Four Lives, which is a four-part BBC drama that details the true-life murder of four London men at the hands of Stephen Port, a.k.a. the grinder killer. Probably shouldn't give him that title, but there you go. Uh, I'd been anticipating this for quite a while when it was revealed that Stephen Merchant was going to be playing a serial killer because that's an odd pick. Uh, He's very well established for comedy and it's against type. And I thought, is he capable of pulling this off? I I think he is. It's it's quite a subtle performance, uh, but that's a credit to him, really. He doesn't come across as inherently evil more than he does an oddball social outcast. And I'm not saying the guy wasn't evil, by the way. He clearly was. I'm just saying the portrayal is the right side of tasteful, I think. And in the same way, it doesn't glamorise the violent aspects of these crimes. It's very thoughtfully handled. And I think that's because it does have the victims and the families as the focal point of the show. And it's very much these families fighting for justice amongst a police system that is 
riddled with ignorant preconceptions about the LGBTQ community and, well, let's be honest, just downright homophobia that seems to be rife. Uh, maybe they exaggerated that a bit. I don't know, but there were some lines in this that I thought, really, you can't say that? That Nobody could say that to somebody who's just found out the relative is dead, surely. But they probably did, to be fair. They write off these crimes as like self-inflicted drug-induced deaths, and that's rather than giving them the care and attention they deserve. And by God, in terms of the scripts, they do not pull away from making that point heard. The police get such a kick in in this. And I was rolling my eyes, as I said, to some of the tone-deaf comments they make. And I felt that frustration alongside the characters. And in that way, I found it quite a powerful drama. I'd also say it's quite refreshing to see a TV show that doesn't lean on the mystery angle too much. You're clear from the off who is responsible. It's more about how botched the investigation was and, and ultimately preventable it all was. I did respect what he was trying to do, and I did think it was very well done. And shout out to Sheridan Smith, by the way. She, she's never gone full A-list celebrity, but I've seen her in quite a lot of things now, and she's a very talented actress, and she gives it her all in this, uh, which is important because I think she's the emotional core of it. I don't think it wouldn't have been quite as moving were it not for her portrayal in this. But you've, you've seen this as well, haven't you? What did you make of it? Well. I did. I, I very much enjoyed it. Slight correction. It's three episodes, not four. Oh, is it three? Sorry, my bad. Which... Confuse me because it's four lives, but three episodes. So the average is 1.33 lives per episode. It's dark. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You've got to find humour in darkness. It's fine. We're leaving it in. I agree with everything you've said. Stephen Merchant just stands completely still and it is creepy. And the thing that distressed me the most about it was the scenes of people on the phone to the police trying to get through to people but you can't get through to anyone. Anyone in the UK that's ever tried to ring any public institution knows that experience of no one knows what's going on. I can't get to someone that actually knows what's happening and it's really annoying and I can't imagine how stressful that would be in an actual serious situation. And you're right to point that out, by the way, because I was putting it on par with my experience with Scottish Power and it's from an emotional investment point of view, it's very different. Yeah. Uh, what else have you been watching i am doing three this week but this one is literally one sentence dexter new blood i finished it the finale came out did you think that they could mess it up again well they can and they did spectacular what a complete waste of my time i had no idea what went through the showrunner's head to think people aren't going to be annoyed about this ending it's just it's polarizing like the last one but i would argue even more so thank you very much Showtime for wasting approximately 10 hours of my life and resurrecting a character and a beloved property of mine only to just throw it back in the dirt and watch it decompose. That is a shame because you were very positive at the start. So what's your real review on the BBC? It seems like we're going for slightly left field content this week with, what was it, Hype House? Yeps, yeps, Hype House. (laughs) <laughs> I watched um, Inside Dubai, Playground of the Rich on BBC iPlayer, and it's a glimpse into the life of a bunch of expat pricks, sorry, Brits, living out a luxurious existence in the United Arab Emirates. And we, ju- we just put this on by chance because we were eating, we needed something easy to watch, and we found ourselves oddly captivated by it, just, you know, seeing parts of the world that are alien to us. And we watched all three episodes back to back. Now, it is sickening in terms of the wealth that these people have, and I did find myself shaking my head a number of times, but I wasn't disgusted enough to stop watching. And largely it was out of some morbid curiosity, hoping that a bunch of white folks would end up tripping themselves up and saying something they shouldn't. And they do, but not to the extent that I would have liked. There's there's one woman I can't even remember what she's talking about specifically, but she's trying to imply that, oh, I'm not all about the dollar-dollar bill. I still do my bit for the little people. And she says that whatever it is, I can't remember, will go towards helping the needy. Not those in need, the needy, you absolute moron. <laughs> but um, really, it's not that much of a judgmental show. If, if it's got an agenda, it does a very good job of not commenting on it. It lets you make up your own mind on it. 
and I think that's probably because the subjects do just enough damage themselves that it doesn't need to condemn them for it. Like, you've got one woman showing us her extensive wardrobe and how many handbags she has. And hilariously, I'm sure we can all relate it, she's no idea what they're all worth because she doesn't check the price tag on things. You get to see some of Dubai's top influencers now they get free nights in five-star accommodation just to promote hotels with toiletries infused with gold uh, and that that's always annoyed me actually it's backwards isn't it why do people who can afford it not have to pay for it i get it because it's promotion and whatever but it did just winds me up i don't know if you've seen but this has not gone down too well with audiences people were said to have switched off because of the uh of the top displays of wealth and as soon as that happened will meller who narrates this and promoted it, jumped on Twitter, and he was on the bandwagon saying, yeah, just because I did the voiceover, it doesn't I mean I agree with the content, which, come on, you were literally just saying, oh, it's eye-opening this, give it a watch. And then, you don't know, I agree with you, it's awful, isn't it? it? It doesn't completely shy away from the harsher reality of this economic boom in Dubai. It's resulted in a number of immigrants working as servants to these people for, like, absolutely horrendous wages. And there's actually a really sad story in here where one woman, she's been working for this family for pittance and she sees her son once a year she's seen him once a year for 21 years because she needs to work and send this money back to her family so the lifestyle isn't completely victimless but at least it shows it to you and acknowledges that and in a week where i fell out with my missus and went into full-on strop mode because she wouldn't let me buy a tv unit for 250 pound which is a functional household item i might add it put things in perspective, but it actually just added to my argument from anything. Um, but yeah, after all that, my conclusion was jealousy aside, you lucky buggers. If I could do what you're doing, I'd probably be doing the same thing. I've been to Dubai. Oh, have you? What did you make of it? I don't have much to say, really. Just saw the big, the big mall and the big um, Mia Khalifa, the big tower. Didn't go inside it though. And no one walks anywhere because it's so hot, so the, the streets are empty. And it was funny how quickly you can walk from like where the famous mall is, the shopping mall. You walk just a little bit, and that's where all the low-wage immigrant labour people hang around. It's like a cyberpunk nightmare where you have this spectacular wealth. You just have to go a little bit to see people you're talking about in the streets. Not living in the streets, you just see them hidden away. Didn't even get mentioned on this documentary. So if you want to get into the real nooks and crannies of, you know, discoveries that you can make abroad, listen to In the Isles. Yeah. Thanks for that. Not just travel advice, but movie advice for the coming year in conflicts of interest. What are you talking about, yeah? I very much disagree Shut up, with yeah. that. Two. You do not have good opinions. What an idiot. I hate everything. You can't even speak. speak. Nothing you say makes sense. Conflicts of interest. We've got three or four each. We'll alternate. I'll go first because you did your watch list just now. So as I said last time, Thor Love and Thunder is coming out this year and I'm very much looking forward to it. Why? After I've said that I'm done with Marvel. Well, the last time I was done with Marvel was after Doctor Strange and the one that brought me back was Thor Ragnarok. So surely with the same director, this will also be good. If you just look at the design of the logo, they're going for the same tone. There's no way that it will be bad. And I'm looking forward to the backlash or the backlash to the backlash, as Bo Burnham would say, because Natalie Portman is coming back. She's back after obviously hating being in the MCU. They've given her the Thor hammer. She's going to be Jane Thor. And I, I want to see what is she going to, look like how is it going to be presented what's the social messaging that they'll put in if any and what kind of fake clickbait outrage will there be in response to lady thor and then what will the backlash to that backlash be when people talk about man babies crying about lady thor i'm looking forward to the, the surrounding discussion as well as the film is she actually called Jane? I thought I thought that was a Tarzan Jane reference. But she's called Jane. Laughed inappropriately. Foster. Jane Foster. She's called Jane Foster. Works on many levels. Is it fair to say as well that had Spider-Man No Way Home not been so successful, you would have been hanging by a thread? Your interest yes. in this. That's yeah. right. It would have. If Spider-Man wasn't good, it would have all been on Thor: Love and Thunder to keep me in. Renewed faith. Yeah. Very good. How about you? 
Uh, one that I did not mention last time because I wasn't aware of its existence. Do you know about the unbearable weight of massive talent? No, I don't. It, it's only because I've heard several publications mention it recently. Otherwise, I would not know about it still. Uh, I'll read you the plot synopsis. A cash-strapped Nicolas Cage agrees to make a paired appearance at a billionaire superfan's birthday party, but is really an informant for the CIA since the billionaire fan is a drug kingpin and gets cast in a Tarantino movie. So he's playing himself, and it's said that he'll be doing his previous roles in this. He'll be acting out some of his most iconic roles as part of this performance. It seems very meta, uh, which is the word of the hour, but I'm... Certainly intrigued. It could be an absolute disaster, but from a plot point of view, sign me up. I want to see what this looks like. Yeah, that sounds good. That sounds like what the Matrix Resurrections should have been. Yes, it does. <laughs> it does, actually. But as many people have pointed out, it's a bit Charlie Kaufman-esque, maybe something along the lines of being John Malkovich. I hope it is something that is intellectual in that way and not just a complete stupid farce. But we'll see. We'll see. What about you? Another one that's on your list? most anticipated in the course of looking up golden globes things nicole kidman posted a video to a film that i'd never heard of the north man the northman directed by robert eggers who also directed the lighthouse with willem dafoe and listen to the cast alexander skarsgård anna taylor joy bjork willem dafoe nicole kidman ethan hawke this looks like a truly Epic, beautifully shot, practical effects. Amazing, brutal, Viking 10th century film. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested in that one too. I don't think he's done anything of this scale before, um, but Lighthouse, I don't know if you caught it, but that was a very interesting film, if nothing else, which I think is probably Robert Pattinson's best performance I've ever seen. Uh, and he does good stuff. The Witch, was it The Witch? Yes. The film that he did, yeah. Um, I liked that as well. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. See what he does with a big budget and hope he doesn't mess it all up. What's your next one then? Uh, I'm going to reiterate what I said at the end of the year, but elaborate perhaps. Scream is still on there, despite me seeing the full list of what's out this year. And it's out next week. We are going to watch it. And early reactions are in. It's supposed to be brilliant. And that fills me with so much joy. I am trying not to get too excited because I don't want to be left feeling underwhelmed. But just from the little... And I normally stay clear of this stuff, but I just couldn't wait. I've read a few comments and it's it's exactly what I wanted this sequel to be by the sounds of it. So yeah, my hype levels could not be higher. Great. Is it Courtney Cox playing herself being hunted no. <laughs> by someone? That's by a Scream fan dressed as the Scream character hunting down Courtney Cox. No, they can't all follow that this year. We're not doing that. Maybe the next one after this, when they've fully run out of ideas, it probably will go down that route, yeah. I am curious, by the way, with this, what are you, are you going to do any prep for this? Are you going to go the first one? I can't remember. Absolutely not. No, I'm not going to watch any of them. Right. Okay. I think we might have quite a divisive episode next week then. I think you'll probably be lukewarm, if anything. Right. I'll be gushing. So you're going to go back and watch the previous six Scream films? I'm not going to watch Scream because I've seen that far too many times, but from memory, two, quite a good sequel. Three, me, four, I don't even remember four. So uh, I don't want to not get anything, though. Do you know what I mean? I, I, don't, I want to be in on the, the little in-jokes. I, I probably don't need to. Yeah, I'm going to watch them. Right, watch okay, them. yeah. You want to be able to point at the screen and say, I remember that. Yeah, I'm in the know, I'm in the know, and then next week we can go, well, it's not my fault you haven't seen them, James, you idiot. Yeah. What's next on your list? Mission Impossible 7, because with the recent blockbusters that have come out, there's too much CGI, especially with Shang-Chi, the big one that was surprisingly good and everyone likes it. At the end of the day, it ended up with a big dragon fight. And with Mission Impossible 7, you know that you're going to get human beings punching each other and driving cars and jumping off cliffs, doing real stuff. And I'm very much looking forward to that. And... Black Adam, starring Dwayne The Rock Johnson, simply because that seems to be a film that's been talked about for years and years and years and years. At one point, I wasn't even sure if it was real. No, it does feel like it's been lost in no man's land for a very long time, as is the case with Mission Impossible 7. We've been waiting a long time for that too. But I don't know why. I always get the sense that, oh, you've had a long time now, so it's going to be a better film. You're going to have fine-tuned it. 
but No Time to Die. Despite me liking that film, prove me wrong on that point. So I don't know. Is that do you have that feeling with Mission Impossible or Black Adam? Um, Black Adam, I don't really care for, but I was talking about Mission Impossible 7. Yeah, I think with Mission Impossible films, they don't just churn them out year after year after year. I feel like they try to make them good and get it right and then make it properly. Well, we can only hope. He is a perfectionist, isn't he, Mr. Cruz? Just look at his teeth. What are your last choices? The end of year review, I mentioned The Batman and Orphan, the sequel to Orphan. I'm still looking forward to those. But Lightyear, I didn't know that existed. That's a spin-off of the... Toy Story universe, which weirdly enough is about Buzz Lightyear, but it's his origin story, not as a toy, but as the real life character that inspired the toy, which I never thought was the case. I thought it was fictional in the Toy Story universe. I don't know that much about it, but essentially I hated Toy Story 4. Toy Story 3 was a near perfect film. I was weeping like a little girl in the cinema. It was rather embarrassing, but I was touched. It was nostalgic. It made me think about my childhood. What a perfect way to end a trilogy. Then they messed it all up, so I'm hoping that they claw some goodwill back with this film. Did we watch Toy Story 3 together? I think we may well have done. I Um, I remember weeping in the cinema as well but i also remember i think a group of youths turned around and looked at me and saw that i was crying and started laughing at me so that lingers that my memory of that film is like yes it was amazing but also was i being laughed at you don't normally stand for any bullshit in the cinema i'm surprised you didn't turn around and tell them to well it was it was completely silent they just turned their heads around and then turned back again and they were about four rows down so they couldn't possibly have seen my wet cheeks at that distance no And if you had have addressed it, you would have only turned around with tears streaming down your face. That would have just added to the embarrassment. So you probably did right. Yeah, Lightyear should be good. Should be, not a guarantee. Mm. Then we'll have Woody to look forward to and Potato Head. I'll make you a bet now, James. How many, we've had four each, how many of these films end up on our top five list at the end of the year? I don't think a single one of these will appear in my top five. That's what my bet. Got, then again, to give my full list, including the ones at the end of the year: Scream, The Batman, Orphan, Mission Impossible Seven, The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, and Lightyear. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Considering what we ended up with top five last year, I think you might be right. Mm, yeah, I've got Thor, Mission Impossible, The Northman, and Black Adam. Mission Impossible 7, because I really do love that series, could get on there. Yeah, it has a fighting chance. And I think you've picked well with Northman in terms of this bet. I think that could be a contender. It looks like a proper film. Well, time will either prove us right or completely wrong. We'll revisit this. We may play a soundbite at the end of the year to show how wrong we were. Speaking of being wrong, Golden Globes and real news. It's the real thing. It is now... Real, real news, news. Golden Globes. So it's well known that they didn't do a star-studded ceremony. They didn't even live stream it. They did a small event. And the only evidence of it is these pictures taken at the event of the stage of the different people giving awards. True Are you lies. talking about last year, by the way? This year, or, this that happened. Oh, has it happened? Yeah, it's happened. Oh, shit. Right, okay, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> It happened one day ago. All right. I'm, I'm always live for it. Yeah, I was behind. Right, right, fill me in. So True Lies stars, Arnold Schwarzenegger and Jamie Lee Curtis provided some videos. And there's some people that you will not have heard of that gave awards. And I'm not going to go into that. who won. There's no need to do that. The reason they didn't do the big ceremony and the reason it's been effectively boycotted is because, as the BBC says... The muted nature of this year's event follows allegations of corruption and the lack of diversity in its voting body. So I can imagine that there are the people that were nominated, they maybe didn't want to win because then they'd be associated with this corrupt thing that lacks diversity. <laughs> and when they did win, there must have been a conversation with their PR team that was, how, what, how do we respond to this? Should we say anything? If we say thank you, this is an honour, then there'll be a backlash of people saying, you shouldn't accept this corrupt award. I had a brief look and Will Smith won Best Actor. He said nothing. There's no statement from him. He's not acknowledged it, which is very funny. Nicole Kidman and Ariana DeBose won Acting Awards and they both use the same word. So 
Ariana DeBoss says, having the work seen and acknowledged is special. Thank you. And Nicole Kidman said, thank you for the acknowledgement in her Instagram story. So I wonder if while they've been figuring out what to say, they've both arrived at the same word, acknowledgement. Thank you for the acknowledgement. I don't, I don't want the award. I'm not happy that I have the award, but I have been acknowledged. Thank you. That's the balanced thing they've come up with to respond. Which is quite clever because that very word implies that the statement alone is purely an acknowledgement within itself that yes. the award has happened. So, yeah, quite carefully and cleverly done there. I know you didn't want to get into winners, but I'm just curious. Any love for any of our top five films or TV shows last year? Did anyone agree with our thoughts? Coda was nominated for Best Drama, but as far as the winners go, I don't think our best top five films appear anywhere. Oh, Succession. Yeah. Succession was the best TV series drama. We were right. Sean was the best So we correctly picked the factual best series. And Kate Winslet won Mayor of Easttown. That was one of your top five TVs, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. And we did all that without an ounce of corruption within us. Yeah, yeah. But these awards have been rendered meaningless now because of the lack of pomp and circumstance. But the awards still have been given out. So doesn't it mean that the awards never really meant anything? It was the accompanying celebrity nonsense that came with it that gave the award value. does make me wonder whether they're going to slap Golden Globe winner across film posters still, but I guess that remains to be seen. Because there is something in that, isn't it? It does a lot for a film's revenue, having that sort of accolade. Or it did, but obviously being steep, so much in controversy. Maybe it's not worth what it once was. Yeah. Do you have any real news? Uh, just a quick one, Euphoria, the HBO series that brought Zendaya to prominence. Did you ever watch series one? I didn't, but I feel like I might need to watch it because of the hype. Yes, no, I'm I'm in the same boat. All I heard it described as was any parent of a teenage girl's worst nightmare uh, of a TV show, because it's, it's quite a dark portrayal of teenage adolescence and all the things that go with that. I do mean to catch up with it. But The Guardian's latest absolute bashing of it has made me even more intrigued. Obviously not the effect they wanted, but season two's just come out after a two and a half year wait. And this was very critically well received, by the way, the first season. Everyone raves about it. Um, But season two has been condemned for having far too much nudity, sex and violence. Now, I don't know about you, James, but that's just made me go, hello, I'm watching this tonight. that's, That's three ticks. Yeah, exactly. Two out of five stars, whereas before, a sea of five stars. So, uh, and if that's the only complaint, don't really know what they're moaning about. That was it. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the top comment on the comments on the Guardian article, far too much nudity, sex and violence. Mary Whitehouse would like her review back. Owned. Do you have any other news? I just want to quickly mention the tolkien society twitter controversy just to go on with the backlash to the backlash theme <laughs> the melon heads lord of the rings podcast posted a completely innocent happy 130th birthday to jrr tolkien with a picture of the man himself the official tolkien society account replied saying do you have permission to use that image And they also said, we paid £18,000 for this. It's not yours. And there was a massive backlash from trolls to the Tolkien Society, calling them pathetic. And it was so bad that the Tolkien Society made their Twitter private. So that was the backlash. The backlash to the backlash was the Melonheads podcast then posted some memes about it, like making fun of the situation. But then they had responses to those tweets saying, you're fueling the abuse of the Tolkien Society. And they posted a link to the Sun newspaper who did an article about this whole thing. And then people saying, you cannot post the scum newspaper. It was a perfect backlash to the backlash that had only just begun (laughs) moment. So then the Melonheads Twitter account, their pinned tweet is this lengthy apology of please don't attack the Tolkien Society. We didn't want this to happen. It's just terrible. Between this and Hype House, I'm starting to just lose it. I'm not I'm not surprised. It's just we've become so sensitive that it makes me sad and wary of anything I say on this podcast. How many times do you edit stuff out for me? A lot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, Hello, I'd like to order an opinion, please. This film is new, fresh point of view. Promise it back. This is a fact. We in the house, here are some house. Thoughts in sync. Tell you what to think. I'll listen to you, but 
but please don't rap again. At long last, a female-led spin-off for the Fast and Furious franchise. The following pitch for the main character was sent to the French producers. Steely, headstrong woman with a love for cars. Should balance female and male qualities, like dancing and killing. About a 50-50 split to appeal to both audiences. But this was disastrously translated as Très bien, metal-headed woman who makes love to cars, is a dancer and serial killer. Spends about 50% of the film as a woman and 50% of the film as a man. The resulting film is this week's main review, Titan. A metal highly resistant to heat and corrosion with high tensile strength alloys, often used in medical prosthesis due to its pronounced biocompatibility. What the actual what? That's the plot synopsis for this film. Where is that from? Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, maybe they were too afraid to watch it, too scandalised, and just wrote a description of titanium, which is the French for the English for Titan. That's the Titan. I should have known that, but I didn't, so thank you for that. James, we have gambled a bit here, because not everyone's going to go and watch a French film at the cinema, but was it worth it, in your opinion? Did you like it? Yes, I would recommend Titan. You've done it in the wrong order. Yeah. <laughs> Right, this is a weird one to watch because it got the big French award mistakenly announced by Spike Lee. And all I knew about it was that it's the film that has the car sex in it. That's where all the the hype is. That's the main draw. But then it turns out that it's not, that they get that out of the way pretty quickly. And then it's about this father, not quite son relationship. It's a dreamlike film where the plot doesn't really matter. I think is it more about letting you sit back and just think about what it's about if you want to. For that reason, it doesn't really have an exciting dramatic rhythm. It's like a series of encounters. I've seen some things that say it's darkly comic, and I think it is darkly comic. There's a scene that we'll talk about in spoilers that I did laugh out loud, and I'm pretty sure it was supposed to be funny. The body horror elements I did find very, what's the word, squeamish. I squirmed. I arrived, I couldn't watch. Not the car sex, but certain bone-breaking scenes I could not watch. I could not watch because you know it's coming. And there's horrific scenes towards the end, but when, when it gets truly body horror at the end, I was watching it thinking, this is really cool and interesting. The performances by the main cast, the French cast, Agathe Roselle, who plays the main character, Adrienne, It's one of those fully committed performances that you have to admire. And the thing that happens that you don't expect is this other character, the father, Vincent, who's played by Vincent Linden. He gets naked as well, and he's very good in it as well, very haunted and traumatised. I thought I knew what to expect, which was weird car romance, but it does spend most of its time with the fireman infiltration storyline. And I did find that interesting to watch, interesting to just reflect on, hmm, what's this about? But not necessarily a tense, dramatic film. Daniel, what did you think of Titan? Have you seen the previous film that this director's done called Raw? We're not a fan of horror. No. It was quite well regarded at the time. I didn't like it all that much, if I'm completely honest. But I do remember it being quite grotesque and, and a bit grim. So I was expecting that sort of vibe from this. But it definitely does not this point on that front it it is grotesque and it is hard to watch in places even if that's what you're into there are scenes in this that i would say you you will truly never unsee i I actually nearly had to sacrifice my popcorn on several occasions and i would say do actively avoid eating during this film because you might find that you just sick it up on yourself don't waste overpriced confectionery save it for appropriate film so hopefully that's a clear warning. This, this definitely takes the shock element to the next level. But I don't know about you, it didn't feel like shock for shock's sake. One bit does, which we'll go into. Um, but that's kind of what I like about European cinema. I mean, say what you want about what this film is actually about, and perhaps it's being a bit ambiguous, but there is so much more to dig into with this film than your average Hollywood film. There's just so many ideas and themes at play. With that said, it is a difficult film to talk about. You've actually given away more than I was going to, while still not really giving away anything. But I think that was a purposeful decision, even that plot synopsis I gave at the beginning. 
it's vague on purpose and that was chosen to promote this film. In a nutshell, if I was to summarise it, minus spoilers, I'd say it's about a very, very, very complicated and lonely woman battling with her inner demons and desires and, I guess, trying to find a purpose in life uh, and we'll, we'll leave it there. I think I set myself up for this film when I said last week about the electrical life of Lewis Wayne. Oh, Louis Wayne. It didn't go far enough in being a little bit weird and out there. This made up for it, and I can't stress it enough. It is bonkers. Uh, You said it. It is a dark film, but it's not devoid of those comedic moments, and I think it needed that. Otherwise, it'd just be too overwhelmingly bleak. Um, Resuscitating someone to the Macarena was a, a good example of that. I'm guessing there's the other example you want to talk about in spoilers, so I won't say. From a filmmaking and cinematography point of view, there's nothing distinct about it, I don't feel, but it does a good enough job of having quite a rough and gritty aesthetic to it that matches what's going on in the film. That male character, the father figure that's introduced, that completely changes the narrative, like you said, and that was a nice, like, oh, didn't see that coming. If I had to highlight a problem with this film, I think the extreme nature of how weird it gets somewhat detracts from what could have been a very powerful story about grief, denial, and ultimately acceptance. And that specific plot development, I would just straight up lose entirely. And I think this would have been an even better film. But if anything, it does show the ambition of the filmmaker to make something truly unique. And I think she definitely succeeded in that. You will not see anything like this from the last year and perhaps the rest of this year. I agree. I don't think you will see anything else like this. So does Raw, from the same director, does that have the same body horror elements in it? Yeah, I think this goes to level 11, but um, it's definitely there. It's just not quite as extreme as that. Yeah, I think it's difficult to discuss without going into spoilers, shall we say, whether we recommend going to spoilers? Yeah, let's get right there. James, would you recommend Titan? Titan? What are we saying it? I was saying Titan. Yeah, Titan. Would you recommend it? Yes, I would. You'll never see anything like it, but it's not for the faint-hearted. Daniel, would you recommend Titan? I'm just going to mirror exactly what you said. Copy and paste what you said. Okay, let's go into spoilers. Bruce Willis. Real name is Tyler Durden. Sank at the end. Oh, thanks a lot. Spoilers. In short, Alexia is an erotic dancer, provocative dancer. She's also a serial killer who uses her hair pin to kill people by stabbing them in the ear. To escape, she breaks her own nose, poses as the missing son of a grieving father, builds up a relationship with the father, gets work as a fireman with the father who's the captain of the fire station. And Alexia, pregnant by car sex, eventually gives birth to a baby who has titanium bones, which sets up the new X-Men films in the MCU. (laughs) I was going to say Fast and Furious, but they could take it either way. Yeah, yeah. Crossover. Can I just say, I didn't know how you were possibly going to summarise that, and I think you did it expertly so thank you very much for that you missed because i missed she kills her parents as well doesn't she does she oh she blows yeah, she, she sets them on fire yeah it's yeah. a very quick moment that i only realized when i read it in the wikipedia summary oh where to begin for this film yeah seriously so it takes a turn after she breaks her nose and pauses as adrian because you think it's going to be all about these cars, because that's what anyone's been talking about. But most of the film is spent in the fire station with the father, the fake father-son relationship. And the father, it's his, what, grief over not getting his son back. And the father, Vincent, probably knows it's not his son, but he doesn't really care because he just wants to have someone back. And all the other men in the fire station, all the manly men, they know that something's wrong, but they just have to accept it. Yeah, I was wondering what your take on that whole thing was because I I think it's quite apparent if you really look into it that he knows from pretty much the minute he gets in the car with this woman, it's not his son. And I might have read into it a bit too much, but the fact that he's obviously a drug addict and you would think, I'm not a drug addict, so I can't really comment, but the one night where you probably give it a rest is where you are overjoyed and overwhelmed to find that your son, who was long assumed dead, has returned. And I thought that is him slipping 
into this abyss of I need to convince myself I'm still in denial. And I think another reason that I thought that was him introducing her, him, to the fire department is trying to convince himself if these people buy into it, this is real. Yeah. That's how I took it. Because he, like you said, that the fire department is full of manly men, but this guy is a manly man. He is the epitome of a manly man. And yeah. you don't see someone like that buying it unless they are completely willing to submit to full-on denial. That's why I took him to be doing the whole way through. And when Alexia accidentally reveals herself, Vincent isn't surprised at all. He immediately hugs her and says, you're my son, don't care. So the fact that he's not surprised does suggest that he knew all along. When you say he's a drug addict, what do you mean? Well, what is, it, what is he injecting himself with? He's injecting steroids. Oh, is it steroids? You inject steroids. Heroin? You inject steroids into your ass, which I know from Bret Hart's autobiography. Oh, I'll take back my comments then. That's what he because that's why he's flexing in front of the mirror. Right. Okay. Well, you've already obliterated my reading of that moment. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think no, it's still I think it's still right, even without that. And I don't want to get into like film school essay analysis or just say quickly, there's definitely a lot going on with gender and masculinity with the cars and the sexy women dancing. And then she obviously pauses as a man. The fire station, it's the most manly occupation. You can have all these men working together. There's there's a lot going on there as well. And that's what I say. I mean, when you say you can watch it and just think about those things as you're watching it in a dreamlike state. And do you know what? I don't even, I mean, you didn't apologize, but don't say, oh, the film's schooly nonsense. I think you're quite right to point that out because nowhere in my notes, which baffles me now, have I made any comment on gender. And it's really prevalent in this film. It's just that's how much there is going on in it. Like I said before, there's just so many different themes and ideas that is what you kind of are drawn to. The scene that I turned away from was the scene where she breaks her own nose in the toilet. She starts off punching herself and then you see her look at the sink and you know straight away what she's going to do. And I just was already looking away, just thinking, I can't, I cannot watch this. She's going to smash her face into the sink and she has to do it a few times. That was more shocking to me than the car sex. Oh God, yeah. I, I was the same as you. It's oh, It just really turns your stomach, doesn't it? And I couldn't watch it. I had another moment with that. It was the putting the hairpin up herself to try some sort of home abortion. That was... Oh, it was not overly graphic, but just the implication of it was enough for me to turn away. It oh, There's yeah. some truly gruesome stuff in this. And, and, the, and the sound as well. But switching gears to the comedy, the scene that I laughed at, did you say that you think you guessed which one I was talking about? Yeah, is it the violent rampage where she kills about four people in the row and she just gets fed up with how many people she's had to kill when she discovers more people in the house? Oh, no, it wasn't. It was when oh. her mother, mother in air quotes, arrives. Mother's not having it. And the mother walks into the bedroom and it's when Adrienne is fully nude, obviously pregnant, obviously a woman. I laughed at that. Oh, right, okay. Because it was so it was so ridiculous. And the mother already knew and the way she just no-sold it and the way there was no denying it and also the fact that she's got metal poking through her stomach. That was a mm. true, darkly comic moment, I thought. No, yeah, you're right, actually. Did you find it slightly funny, the killing spree? Oh, yeah, I did find that funny as well. Yeah, there was a lot of funny bits, yeah. Do you know what I liked about that as well? That felt a bit raw. Do you know when she's wrestling with one of the women and she's naked and it's on this, like, marble staircase? Yes. I thought there is, there is no faking. I'm not saying this is some mad Tom Cruise level stunt, but you are getting slapped about and hitting and pulled down a marble staircase. That must hurt. And like you said, with the actors and the dedication, that kind of shone through in that moment. I thought, oh, somebody's got some bruises after that. Yes. Right. Should we get the thing I was referring to before, by the way, when I said I thought they could have lost it? I don't think we needed this giving birth to a mechanical titanium baby. If it had lost that, I don't think it means it's a write-off and it doesn't work. I just could have done without it myself. And I think, like I said, it would have been a more powerful film. What was your impressions of that? And more importantly, what was your interpretation of it? I've got my own, but what was yours? I felt the opposite. I, through the whole film, was thinking she has to give birth. I want to see a full-on metallic birthing scene. And I decided I'm going to be disappointed if I don't get it, which is completely the opposite of you. And when it finally arrived and her 
skin started peeling apart and you saw the metal plate in the head and all the metal stomach, I was fully satisfied. That's what I want to see. Even though it was, it was disgusting and awful, I felt that if you didn't give us that, I would have been disappointed. And I did wonder, even without the titanium baby, I would have been sickly satisfied just with that graphic birth scene. Because by the end, she had become this like monstrous figure because she's got all oil dripping all over and she's all dirty and she's still got the broken nose. Mm. So it delivered the body horror in the end. And I was surprised to see, well, it's a baby. It's a baby just with a metal spine isn't it yeah it's not a, it's not a metal baby it's a baby just with the vertebrae it's metal popping out mm. as for the interpretation to be honest i didn't really think about it that much there was like you said there was so much other stuff going on i was just overwhelmed with the ideas that i didn't really try to attach any kind of message to it that's really the awesome thing about this film you can think about this a week later, a month later, maybe six months, and you might have a completely different view on it. And if I, I'm not taking back what I said, personally, I think I would have liked it more if the titanium spine baby wasn't in it. But when I've sat down to think about it, and I promise you, I've stayed away from any sort of comment on what this is meant to mean, but this was my interpretation. This is going to go really convoluted and not make sense. At the beginning of the film, she's involved in an accident and she has a titanium plate put in her head. As soon as that accident happens and she's released from hospital, she kisses the car. Yeah. And I took that to be a, you have released me in somewhere from this pain that I felt before. And she develops this paraphilia for cars, which I've learned out, I did Google this, is known as mechaphilia. And I think this baby represents her giving birth to her shame. So she's had to live with this kink of liking car sex and being attracted to vehicles all her life and it's kind of like eating away at her from within which is what you actually see like a physical manifestation of and then her insecurities and desires come to the surface she's forced to show this guy who she is and that is what this baby represents it's a shame i don't know that that was my reading of it, it might be complete and awesome bollocks i like that i like that a lot shall we park up we'll take the keys out of the ignition handbrake on Exit the vehicle. Leave it in gear, my dad always says, but I never, ever do. I drive automatic, so. Right, well, that was fucked up beyond words. What are we reviewing next week? Scream. The new Scream. It is just called Scream, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. wonder how much money someone was paid to come up with that ingenious title. Well, I've already said in this episode, I cannot wait. I hope it does not disappoint. Join us next week to hear what we both think. In the meantime, if you wish to support the podcast, you can do so at inthealpodcast at gmail.com by giving us your feedback, suggestions. You can leave us a five-star review and rating on iTunes, and you can follow us on Instagram at inthealspodcast. James, are you altered by this week's main review? Do you feel different as a human being, damaged somehow? There's a lot packed into that question. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I I I do feel damaged, but... I have body insurance and car insurance, so I'm not worried. So your advice is, if you're not insured, you're a lost cause. Yes. Yeah? Yeah. Okay.